I feel like I've spent my entire life as a Leaf fan asking myself this question. Is this team is this team cursed? Is there some sort of hex on this team, some sort of spell that we're not aware of that prevents us, the fans, from having nice things? What, like like the last year that's on that banner? Well before that ancient year yeah. that I'm not even close to in age. And neither am I. I'm that is older than like the gap between where I was born and where we are now. It's like not even close. It's starting to get a little uh it's amazing how fast things can turn in this market. I'm I'm watching the Ottawa game and all I could think the entire time was, "What? Why? Why is this happening? Like, why is this happening? Like, it was it was the perfect, like, granted it was a back to back and they flew in day of and all that. I'm not trying to say that like discredit that in any way, but like, I'm just I'm sitting there and I'm going like, why? Why? Well, what what what's the stance we do we want to take on this? Well, do we- that's what I want to ask you. So they've lost five of six. Yeah. Two weeks ago, they, they're they clear. They're like eight or nine points clear in the division. And your favorite narrative is being spun by the Toronto sports media that, oh, well, they, they have no competition. They're just going to, they can sleep their way to the Eastern Conference final. And yeah. you, the entire time, to your credit, was like, that is bullshit. Oh, it's the worst narrative of all time. Two weeks ago, the Leafs were going to the Eastern Conference Final and we're going to lose because they didn't have enough competition. Mm. And it's now the complete opposite. It's like, can we beat the Winnipeg Jets in a playoff series? That's how fast things can turn in this market. And it's, it's, everything's reactionary, right? It's just like, what's happened in the last week? They've lost five out of six. The game they won, they 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 barely won. Yeah. Even though that was a phenomenal hockey game, but it's it's amazing how fast fans can change their mind and opinion. And at the beginning of the year, this is what I was kind of expecting, right? I, I wasn't expecting them to go on a tear so early and look so good. I was expecting dips like this in times where we would be in doubt of how this team would perform and how they would finish in the standings. And I feel like if I took a broader view, I'd be like, you know what? This isn't too surprising. This is where I thought they were going to be. But after looking so good and and things like the defensive play improving and the system improving, getting tighter, the defense looking better, less giveaways, smoother breakouts, you started to feel a little bit better. And all they've done for the past six games since Edmonton, since leaving Edmonton, all they've done is give the puck away and get a, and just get a loose defensively all over again. That that's as simple as that. It's, it's just their tight system has gone to shit and now they're back giving away the puck in their own end, in the neutral zone and even in the ozone and, and the PK 
PK's a disaster. Yeah, it's gone. It, everything defensively has just gone down the drain. Yeah. PK, five on five, everything. Austin Matthews not being 100%. Yes. Yeah. And that was another thing. Marner and Matthews were dominating, dominating, like mm-hmm. the best line in hockey. And that's kind of gone away too. Not that they were going to keep up that pace because maybe that's not where they're at. They're not Connor McDavid. They're not getting 50 points in however many games, but they were an absolute dominant line. And now they've kind of also, they're still good. They're still great, but they, they're not as dominant as they were. And that was kind of maybe masking some of the things that we're seeing now. How do you fix those things? Like, how do you fix um, the little mistakes in the defensive zone? How do you fix a struggling PK? Like, is it, is it just a matter of repetition in practice? Is it like watching film? Is it like, because like to me, it, it's, I asked that question because it's inexplicable to me how you can go from dominating the Edmonton Oilers for three straight games, dominating to like, now all of a sudden you're making mental air after mental air. One of the goals last night, the first goal that went in on Freddie Anderson last night, Jake Muzzin throws an absolute pizza up the middle of the, of the ice yeah. while they're on the penalty kill. They can't clear it out. They get running around. It's in the back of the net. Yeah. I, I Honestly, man, that's a million-dollar question. Like, watching film, repetition, being having the hockey IQ in a game to, to make the right decision. How many times over the last couple of years, not even years, decades, have we been trying to figure out the penalty kill or, or defensive zone issues. Like, I don't know yeah. what the answer is, man. And we spent, like, the first few weeks of this season being like, wow, look at them. They're playing really, really well defensively. Yeah, and it's, it, it I don't know. I don't have the answers. I don't know. Like, it's it's something that just, I, 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 I'm not a professional hockey player. I've never been a, an NHL coach. How do you get a bunch of dudes in their 20s and 30s and 40s to start getting back to the system that made them successful early in the season. I I, I don't know. I, I don't know what they have to do. I, how worried are you? I'm just at a loss for like, I, I just, I get like, caught up in being a rational hockey fan being like, this league's tough. You've heard us say this before. It's a tough league. You can lose on, you can lose to the worst team on, on a night. That's just the way it is. It's not like basketball where usually the top teams like dominate and beat other teams on a nightly basis. It's, I think I am. I don't know if I'm worried. I think I'm getting brought back to reality. Yeah, yes. I think you're just getting brought back to reality being like this team wasn't that good. They can be that good, yeah. but can they be that good consistently when it matters? I don't know. That's the million dollar question. So here's my opinion on it. Overall, I'm not really worried about them as a team. I believe they are the best team in this division. I truly believe that. How important is winning the division? I mean, you'd like it. It guarantees you home ice advantage in the first two rounds, but is it really that important when you feel that they're the best team? No, it's really not. No. So if they end up coming in second or third, fine, whatever. I'm not going to, I'm not going to like, that's not a deal breaker for me. So overall, I'm not really worried about them as a team. There are certain things within the team that I am very worried about. And the main topic of discussion, and you know, anyone who's tuning into this knows exact, knew that this topic was going to come up today. And Freddie Anderson. (sighs) 
the narrative and the feeling around Freddie Anderson has been almost Nylander-esque lately. If you're on, like, if you follow the Leafs on social, whether that be Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, what have you, you've got the segment of the fan base that is like, this guy stinks. Like, he sucks. It's over. He had his years. He can't win. He can't make a save. He can't, whatever. You've got the other section of the fan base who is, it's not his fault. He's a good goalie. They're a disaster in front of him. Like I mentioned last night, like how, what's he supposed to do last night when Jake Muzzin literally throws it up the middle of his own zone and gives it back to the senators. So you have these two sides battling and here's my take on it. Is Frederick Anderson a terrible goaltender? No, he's not. Is it all his fault? No, it's not. But at this point in time, do you think that you can go? So the expectations for this team are Eastern Conference final or bust, period. I'm sorry. I know they've been struggling a lot lately, but in my opinion, those are the expectations. Anything short of getting to the Eastern Conference final, a.k.a. out of this division, is a failure, Yeah, in my opinion. Do you think he can get you there? Because I, I don't I don't think he can. I don't I don't have faith that he can get you there, that he can make the save in every playoff game to get you there. The only time will tell. I, I mean, there's no uh looking past that his stats, his individual stats for this season is lower than than it normally is. It's below average. So you gotta look at that. And you also have to look at the fact that their defensive play has gone to shit the past six games. So it's, it's, it's like where we are every week when we come on here, it's, it's like, it's not here. It's not there. It's somewhere right here. I I think that he can be better if the Leafs clean up their turnovers, but also um, he needs to stop getting sniped on top corner. Like simple as that. Like you, you said that you said that last week when he, when he came up in conversation and I love the way you put that because it's absolutely true. He gets sniped on. Yeah, he literally. Gets, yeah, he he gets, looks like it's like when you're in practice and you're just fooling around. And you yeah. just like score an unreal goal and you just snipe top corner. It, it happens once a game. You get sniped on top corner. And I get that players could shoot the puck in this league. There's no doubt. These guys didn't get here without knowing how to put the puck in the net, especially the guys who make the big cheese scoring all the genos. Yeah, but it's like it's. It's getting a little ridiculous watching a guy go glove side top shelf on him at least once a game. At least one, yeah, yeah, at least once a game. I mean, the but you got to give him some credit. It's like or not give him some credit, cut him some slack, and be like, when you're coming down on a two on, if you're getting four two on ones against you a game, oh, yeah, they're gonna convert on yeah. at least one of them. Yeah, if they're if they're two skilled players coming down on you. Players are too good in this league to not convert that. And it's like, especially against a team like Winnipeg who has those like really who has depth, yeah. who's like, who are like the Leafs in a lot of way that have some depth in their lineup, scoring depth. And it's like, if you give up odd man rush after odd man rush, unless you're Vasilevsky, who's playing out of his mind right now, um, they're going to score. Like they're going to score. So it's, it's, Stop getting sniped on, but stop giving up two on ones at least four times a game. Yeah, both both of one of the uh, one of the themes in today's episode is going to be two things can be true, and that's a perfect example of it. It's we need you to make the saves. However, we do acknowledge that yes, 
they give up a lot of two on ones. There were a lot, there were a few instances in that Winnipeg series where those were backbreakers, man. Like where it was like they're coming back, they're battling back. Cause listen, the Leafs, let's call a spade a spade. The Leafs are front runners. Like if if they can come out early and pot one or two against you, they're good. They love playing with the lead. That's yeah. how they want to play. When they fall behind, like in the Ottawa game, Michael Hutchinson comes in and before you even realize what's going on, they're down two nothing. Like that's they're not built to play from behind like that. Like yeah. they need to get a lead early and they need to hold on to it. And that's when they're at their best. And there were a few moments in the Winnipeg series there where I thought they battled. And then the Jets would go down. Like, I think it was it was the first game where they came back and made it like 3-2 or whatever. And then the who, whoever it was on the Jets goes down and, yeah, and Deeks, like, blows around Freddie and just tucks it by him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you remember the play I'm talking about? Yeah. I wish I remember who it was on the Jets that scored the goal. But, like, that's, what I'm t- that's the type of stuff that's, that is like a backbreaker. And that's the type of stuff that when you're watching, you're just like... You can't do this when we get in game six. Yeah. When we're in game six and we're up three, two, or we're, or we're battling to like force a game seven, you cannot let in a goal like that. And I heard a great quote on the radio today from Christopher Stieg that said, your goalie doesn't need to make every save. He just needs to make the ones that matter. And that is where Freddie is struggling right now. And it's a tough thing to quantify too, because it's like, you don't know what the right save is until the game is over. And you're like, he should have made that save that that's a, that's a game saving save. You know, it's just, it's all leading towards a series in the playoffs. Yeah. So, you know, it's yeah. like at the end of the day, it's like what happened two weeks ago. They don't have enough competition. They, they they're dominating teams to now losing five to six. Now they go into their next series. They went four straight. And then it's like, Oh, everything's great. It's just, it's weeding out the things throughout the season to like apply to the playoff series. Yeah. Like what you said earlier, where they finish in the standings, obviously you want to get the number one seed. You want to get home ice, even though without fans, I don't know how much that means. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to beat. Like maybe you play Montreal instead of Edmonton or whatever, but you're going to have to beat the best teams in this division to get to that Eastern conference final. So it's like, you're going to have your ups and downs in the season, wherever you finish, you finish. It's just everything that's happening in these last couple of games we're taking and we're trying to apply to a playoff series. Like this, the, the breakouts have just been so sloppy. Yeah, yeah. Like it's just been brutal, but they've also have gotten a lot of chances in the ozone. They're just not as con- They're not converting as much as they have earlier in the season. They, so listen, out of these games that they've lost, like I thought both games in Vancouver, they played pretty well. I thought the first two games, the played against the Winnipeg jets, they played pretty well. And then I thought the second game against Winnipeg and then the game against Ottawa, they were terrible. And so yeah. it's, it's the inconsistency thing that that's really deflating. So they've got two games in 12 days if Jack Campbell is healthy and your point about him being a band-aid is oh, well made is well made. It's driving but me nuts. If Jack Campbell is healthy, I think I think you I think you send him in there. Like I think I think you're at a point where it's like I think the competition at this point would be good for Freddie. Yeah. And I think I think you send him in there and you see like if you can go in there and you can play and you can make the saves like I'm talking about like the saves that matter. Like that, that that's what we need. Yeah, well, he's been he's been great ever since every time he's laced it up to go in the net ever since he got here, he's been a, he's been great. It's just like 
you come back, you play a great game. Now you're back on the shelf and it's like, maybe I'm not paying attention to the, the injured reserve list enough, but it's like, what what is he doing right now? Well, like, I, I, <laughs> they, they've been pretty cryptic about what the issue with the injury is. Like, where is he? He's, like, he's I, gone I again. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, when is he coming he back? Clearly, he clearly had a groin that didn't heal if i again they haven't confirmed this but if i had to if i had to make an educated guess based on everything that's happened he clearly had a groin that wasn't all the way healed yeah came back and got hurt in the one game against edmonton and has like re-injured himself yeah and he's back on the shelf again which is like a a, a sort of a controversial topic with the leafs right now because like uh, there's a lot of people myself included who are like austin matthews is clearly not 100 percent. he can't shoot the puck you've moved him to the front of the net position on the power play he shouldn't be playing like, he shouldn't be yes, playing yeah like at the end of the day s- screw the standings okay yeah, like yeah. i think they're at a point now where they're going to make the playoffs yes. i mean <laughs> anything could happen but yeah. i think they're going to make the playoffs and it's like, if you need to rest this guy a week, yeah. I mean, now they're kind of in a position where they have days off. So it's like, it's going to help them. But if the guy's not shooting the puck, like he shoots it and not playing like the player who's leading the league and scoring still after not, after coming back and kind of not looking like the same person, then it's like, get this guy some recovery time. Yeah. Like, why not? He's He's, your, that's, that's absolutely like, that's another thing too. It's like, He's not as dominant as he was. At one point, we said on this podcast, can you can you even th- imagine Austin Matthews not getting a million chances to score a game and and him not scoring? At one point, it looks like he was going to score every game for the rest of the season, and people were throwing around 50 goals. Yeah, well, and, and that's probably why he's still playing, because he's chasing those yeah, accolades a, and the heart trophy. That's yeah. a dumb way. That's yeah. a dumb thinking i have a hard time believing that the maple leafs sports science department would let that happen you know it's just like this guy shouldn't be playing if he's chasing goals he should be he should be sitting on the on in the press box recovering for the most important time of the year where everything is on the line yes everything is on the line so i said earlier that like there's two things that i'm like concerned about right now with the Leafs and Freddie Anderson is the first one. The second one. I said earlier that the theme of today's episode is two things can be true. I personally have been really hesitant to criticize the John Tavares contract on this podcast because I've said a bunch of times, if I was Kyle Dubas two summers ago, three summers ago, whatever it was, I would have done the exact same thing and you would have done the exact same thing and you would have done the exact same thing. Hey, so don't, don't count out leave fans yeah, for looking so, at you being like, I wouldn't have done that. Yeah. Look at his Corsi numbers. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and say like, like, wow, that was a huge mistake, but you know what, Ryan, two things can be true. The way he's playing right now, it's a brutal contract. It's their worst contract. <laughs> and like I don't know, I, I'm I'm at a I'm honestly at a loss for words. You and I, one of our favorite sayings is just a guy. John Tavares is the epitome of just a guy right now. He is a non-factor night in and night out. And I understand that he's in his 30s. And you're a senior citizen in the National Hockey League when you're in your 30s. Yeah. And I get that. 
And I get that he's never been the fastest skater. No. And I get like I get all of that. But for eleven million dollars, it's not good enough. No. And it hasn't been good enough all year. And I don't know. It's to me, it's like I sit and I watch last night in particular, the Senators game. I'm sitting there and I'm going, where is John Tavares? Like, where is he? Like, what's he doing? He's out there. He's floating around. Even when he's out there and like, sure, he's got he's got quite a few power play goals this season. But even then, when he's out there on the power play, it doesn't stand out. Like, if he gets one, it's because he's out front of the net banging one in, which is like, good. That's what you should be doing. But my point is, is I, I, I'm sorry. I'm at the point where like, he's he's the worst contract on the team. And if I'm like, you want to hear my super, super overreaction take, like next level overreaction, like you're way ahead of yourself, settle down take. I think I might know what you're going to say. If this season doesn't go well and they got to blow up the core, he's the one that you want to get rid of, but you can't get rid of him because no one is going to take him at that. And like, let's just say you want to trade him. Okay. Every team is going to say, okay. You got to keep some of that. How much? How much are you keeping? Five million? Yeah. Six million? Like, yeah. how much of that are you keeping? Right. So it's like, and I, I think we always knew when he signed his deal that in the later years of the deal, he it wasn't you weren't going to get the best return on your investment, and we all understood that. But it's like he comes here in the first year, he has a career season, and we're all like, this is incredible. This is exactly what we wanted. Matthews Tavares one two punch. Last year. Bit of a, like, it's, it's more of a down year for him. Okay. He's getting a little older. He's not playing with Mitch Marner. Marner's up with Matthews now. That's going to affect his production. Yeah. But you know what? Still the captain. Still a, a pretty damn good second line center option. Yeah. This year, he's he's <laughs> terrible. He's terrible. He's not terrible. He's it's, terrible. I don't know if he's terrible. He's terrible. It's. I do believe that it's one of the worst contracts in the NHL. Yeah. Not because of the guy or the player. It's just like how it just completely sabotages your salary cap yeah. and and the amount of you can get two very serviceable hockey players for the price that he's at for one you guy. Get, you could get two Zach Hyman's for. I know. It's just. It's Burns. just. Yeah. At the end of the day, he's a, he's been a pointed pointed game player for the Maple Leafs since he's gotten here. And I mean, I, I don't know. There's a lot of bad contracts in the NHL. This isn't the only one, but like, this is the only one that's on like a large scale, like double digits, bad contract. And I just think it's the expectations. Like he's just, he's not living up to the expectations of a guy who who's getting paid that much money. And it's, it's super under the microscope right now when you, when Matthews is hurt and he can't produce and play the way he's capable of. And that is a perfect scenario where you need your second line centerman to like step up a little bit. Yeah. And he's not doing it. And I don't want to hear, can I be honest? Like, I don't want to hear that. Oh, well, you know, he's not playing with Marner. I think William Nylander has been pretty damn good. Like, I think he's been pretty damn good since the Edmonton scoring goals. Yeah. He's been pretty damn good. And the, uh, the only two Leafs that were worth anything in the Ottawa game were Zach Hyman and William Nylander. Everyone else just took the night off. I just think Tavares, he's got he's got good um awareness on the ice for his position. I like I don't think he's a guy where you're like, I want to move him to the wing. Like he can still play center, but he's just never 
you, you look at all these amazing players in the NHL, like Matthews can do it. McKinnon can do it. Uh, even Marchand can do it. And it's, it's the ability to like make a wow play to change a hockey game. And he just doesn't have that ability. He, no. He's, he's always been kind of slow on his feet. He's got good hands. He can, he can score the puck down low, but in terms of a guy who's making the amount of money that he is, he, he can't change a hockey game. And I think you're just going to increasingly get frustrated because you're always going to want more out of him, but he, he's never going to give it to you, which is fine, but not for $11 million. No, it's not. It's not fine. I agree. It's, it's not fine. I think people in the Island who are fans of that team would be the first ones to like, be like, I told you so like, he wasn't worth the money. Like he was never that good. He only had 80 some odd points in his best year here. He was the first overall pick. He's supposed to be the savior. He comes over here. He's a great first year. And then after that, it's like at the end of the day, he's a second line center in the NHL right now. And some nights he looks like a third line center. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, <laughs> what do you do? Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, what do you do? And I don't want to be like, get rid of Tavares. He sucks. That's not what I'm saying. It's just, when you sign a guy to a big contract and he doesn't perform to that level, what is the solution? What do you do? There is, there is nothing you can do. Like, I don't know what you can do. No. You just got to pray that he gets on a heater and gets some, starts getting more points. Yeah. I mean, his stats aren't that bad. Like he's not, he hasn't been horrible. It's just like, he's not for, for the money he's being paid. He's not effective night in and night out. And when they're in a rut like this, and like I said, to me, the thing that makes it stand out the most is, Matthews is not a hundred percent. He's, he's not able to play the way he's capable of playing. And that is when you need your other superstar center to kind of pick up the slack a little bit. And he's not doing that. And he don't. And like I said, I don't want to hear that it's because he's not playing with Mitch Marner because I think William Nylander has been pretty damn good for the last like two weeks. And they have, they've put Thornton on the line with him, and Thornton's been pretty damn good so far this season. And guess what? When he's healthy, Wayne Simmons is probably going to go on that other line, which is like any day now we're going to get an announcement that Wayne Simmons is back. Yeah. Thank God. So like, I don't know. Like, I don't mean to dump on Johnny. I love Johnny. I love that he came here. I love that he be, they made him the captain. Like, I love, like, I love all of it, but it's just like, dude, like we need, we need you to be better than this. If we're going to go where we want to be, I can't folks. I can't, I can't take it. I cannot take another first round playoff exit. That would be. I'm gonna go All-time around. Disaster. I'm gonna go around this podcast studio, and I'm gonna have a spaz, and I'm gonna <laughs> rip all this stuff off the wall, and I'm gonna go insane. What about that shirt you're I'm wearing? I'm gonna rip my brand new reverse retro T-shirt. Everyone gives. You know what? Like people, I, people don't like it. I'll, listen, I'll admit. Like I'll admit the uni itself is a bit questionable. Like like the uni's not the. Hey, big we're greatest. on record being like we like hey, it. Hey. This, like is a, this is a good logo. Yeah. yeah. I saw this the other day and I was like, I'm going to buy that. Anyways. Yeah. So lastly, before we get out of here, um, lots of speculation that if Dubas is going to make a move, he's going to pull the trigger this week. Cause they've got two games in 12 days in quarantine and all that kind of stuff. It was Elliot Friedman that kind of put that out there as like a possibility. If they're going to, first of all, what do you think they need and who's a free agent option that you've heard out there that you think is makes sense? My hot take is I don't I don't believe for a, I I don't think they need another forward. Mm. It's like hey, you get another forward, what do you do? 
Like, what do you what do you do with that forward? Well, you got it. You got to. Um, you're looking. An, another work- forward's got to go out if you're going to trade somebody. So, and and the name that I keep that you keep seeing bandied about is going out the door is Kerfoot. I know, but I've I've looked at the names and it's like you get Grandland and it's like the 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 flyer on Taylor Hall. It's like that's the dumbest thing I've ever yeah. heard. That's never gonna happen. Yeah. I, I would be going all in on Elkholm for 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 Nashville. I know he's gonna be a hot commodity. I would always, always, especially with this hockey team, look towards adding on the blue line. Yeah. You replace Alex Kerfoot. I just don't believe in deadline acquisitions. It's I'd say for every 10 acquisition at the deadline, maybe one guy pans out for a big for a big difference maker on a hockey team. How do you feel about the one of the names that I keep hearing um out there that I think is actually kind of interesting for f- offensive depth and like leadership is Eric Stahl. Yeah, like but again, it's like you bring Eric Stahl in. Is Eric Stahl better than Alex Kerfoot? I don't, I don't no, know. No, nah, probably, probably not. Probably not. Yeah. Probably not. It's just a guy, another veteran who's hungry to win another Stanley cup. Cause he only had one early in his career. Who's a name and, and who's a name that people kind of know. And, and, and a guy who's very familiar with the center position and, and people will be kind of like, Oh, it's Eric Stahl. But it's like, if you really compare Kerfoot to Stahl, it's like, I don't think there's a yeah. big difference no, there. No, I no. think maybe it's another veteran guy. You plug into your locker room that makes the team hungrier to, to do something in the playoffs. But at the end of the day, there's only so much you can do inside the locker room. We we've played it up on this podcast. I think it's important, but I think at a certain point it's about on the ice. Yeah. And I just don't think adding some Jamoke who's just going to fill out another roster spot is going to make a big difference. If you're going to add, add to the blue line. Yeah. I don't think for a team they get, they still get offensive chances. Like, I don't think they've just been like hemmed in their own zone, dominated. They're not getting dominated. They're not getting hemmed in. They're giving up bad odd man rushes and they're giving up bad defensive opportunities and they still get their, their, their chances in the offensive zone. It's about anything you can do to make this team better defensively. That that's what I'm in for. I'm not in for adding a goal. What do we talk about all the time? How good offensively this team is and how they're not good enough defensively. Why are we trying to add another guy who could score goals? It's, it's well, stupid. Well, that's it's dumb. Yeah. Yeah. That's and bolster your blue line. If yeah. you have to like the, to me, that is it. I like Justin Hall. Would I like to see Justin Hall knock down a peg? Yes, yeah. I do. Well, that, that, that will like, in turn, this is a, like, we, we don't have time to get into this right now, but like that, that will in turn knock knock your boy Travis Dermott right off right up into the press. And if box. that has and, and like I like Dermott, but if if that has to be done, then that has to be done. I I don't see going. I think it's pointless to go out and get another mediocre forward. I'm Trade you- Alex Kerfoot for another Alex Kerfoot. Yeah, it's yeah. it's stupid. Yeah, I'm I'm it's glad dumb. I'm glad that you you shut down the Taylor Hall one because a lot it's of people ridiculous. yeah a lot of people are stuck on that and it's like it all the reasons you outlined are, are true but also it's like Kyle Dubas has never shown any interest in going like the rental route. So it's like why all of a sudden and I and I get it people are like well it's your chance to win uh, this year this is you got to go all in but I I agree, and that's why I think your point is well made. Where like, sure, if you want to go all in and try and win a cup, bolster your blue line. But I'm 100 percent with you. Like Taylor Hall is not not the way to go. No, it's not, and it's just. I know he had that one hard trophy season with the Devils. That's phenomenal, but it's 
To me, getting Taylor Hall right now is like getting Casperi Capitan back. Yeah. Like, that's a hot take. People might call me an idiot. I don't care. I think it's a dumb move. I think getting any useless forward's a dumb move. If you're going to make a big move, get another defenseman. Yeah. Simple as that. That's my opinion. And on that, we will wrap up this week's episode. If you like what you see and you're checking us out for the first time, head on over to our Instagram at Talking Buds Podcast. That is where we hang out exclusively on social media. Also, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, leave a thumbs up, leave any comment, leave a cheers, do whatever. It's a massive, massive help. Thanks everybody for checking us out. We'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.